How are we doing this evening? We live in unprecedented times, don't we? Have you, is it just me or is it, uh, are, we all, are we all sensing this? I tell you what, it's crazy. I want you to look around because sitting where you're sitting, somewhere next to you, is a world changer. So go ahead, just look around. I mean, there's, there's, I know, I know you're sitting there going, it's not me, is it? No, it is, it is you. That's, that's the point right there. You are a world changer. You may not know it. And it's not something I'm telling you, just so you know that. It's something Jesus said. Do you believe that? Jesus said these words, you are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people. Do you know that you have a light? Do you know that you are a difference maker so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to who? To your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. And the word you here is actually a singular word. It's not talking about some, some, some global collective group. It's talking to specific people. And he's looking at his disciples and he's saying, you, you, Peter, you, John, you, Bart, you, Thomas, you are the light of the world. You, Charlie. You, Ruth. You, Jeremy. You, Jared. You, Doug. You are the light of the world. That's what he's saying here. You are sitting in a room filled of world changers. How cool is that? You didn't know that. You didn't know coming here that you're going to be sitting here with people just like you. People that are world changers, people that are passionate about changing the world. And that's what this weekend is all about. They're, the disciples, they were there. They had no political leverage. They had no financial leverage. They had no relational leverage. These were Jewish men and women, fishermen and seamstresses. They're sitting there thinking the same thing that you are. Who, me? Really? A world changer? Me? The light of the world? Yes, Jesus said. You the light of the world. They had lost all hope. And somehow Jesus was able to gather this ragtag group of insecure, hopeless people. And he was basically saying, look, here is your purpose. You are the light of the world. The world through you is going to know what God is up to. Do you believe that? Seriously? Because that was kind of weak. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah, we'll give you the token amen, you know, it's, you asked, okay. Now, I want you to really think about it. That's what Jesus was saying here. You're a world changer, and, and I know it's hard for us to, to believe that. And Jesus, in fact, at one point said, you know, you're impressed with what I'm doing? Check this out. Do you believe this? He said, greater things than these you will do. Wow. That's how much Jesus believed in us. Greater things than these. Really? How is that possible? I don't know. But God is up to something amazing, isn't he? So what happened? I don't know. Because years went by after Jesus said those words, and then Jesus gets arrested, 
Jesus gets beaten. Jesus, Jesus gets crucified. And the disciples are terrified. In the evening of that first day of the week, that resurrection Sunday, the disciples had met together where? With the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Have you ever been terrified like this? Have you ever gotten to the point where you're so scared that you're just like locking doors and stuff? I must have been about 11 years old. I had just moved here from the United States. I could hardly, I mean from Italy to the United States. I could hardly speak English. My dad had just purchased for me this amazing bicycle with the banana seat. It was, it was this like wonderful cobalt blue that shined. You know what I'm talking about with the big, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? This was like, I know it was a bicycle, but it felt like I was riding a motorcycle. I mean, I was like, this is awesome. And I remember just, just taking it everywhere I went. I just, I rode my, I was thinner then. I rode my bike. <laughs> See, I don't know what it is about that line that makes people laugh all the time. It's just, I was just giving you my physical physique of that time. So I'm riding this bicycle all over the, the place. And I decided to go fishing one morning. And I decided to go to New Rochelle High School. New Rochelle High School was about five minutes from my house. I could walk there, but I wanted to ride my bike. I had my fishing rod. Right in front of New Rochelle High School, there are two what they call twin lakes. It's beautiful there. And so I got there, and just as I got there, there was Old Joe. Old Joe always fished there at New Rochelle High School. And you never fished near Old Joe because that's his spot. You know what I'm talking about, right? And Old Joe was just this old guy. Just like, You know, you'd wave at him, and he'd wave back, you know. You know you don't go there, though, right? That's... It's like there's this, this invisible thing. And so I was kind of far from Joe, and I am fishing. And as I'm fishing, I'm noticing these uh, four guys not walking towards me, bopping towards me. They were a little older, and you could tell. I, I don't know, have you ever kind of felt like something is going to go wrong. Have you ever noticed? You know, like this is not good. I don't know what it is, but this doesn't feel right. This doesn't look right. And they were coming closer and closer to me. And you could just tell by the way they were laughing, by the way they were talking, just the way they were nudging each other, that there's some, this is going to be bad. And, and I'm, in fact, I'm thinking, should I just pick up my stuff and go? And, and I just didn't, I, I didn't want to panic. So I decided to just stay there, and I'm, and I'm trying to fish, and they finally walk towards me. And as one of them comes up to me, and he says, ah, nice bike, and he picks up the bike. I'm now standing, fishing. He's, he picks up my bike, and I go, hey, hey please, uh, please put the bike down. That's, 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 that's a brand-new bike. My dad just got that from me, and I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think it's a good idea that you touch that bike. And he's like, I just just riding it around a little bit, and he starts to kind of do wheelies and get it all muddy and stuff, and then, he, then he, he says, all right, fine. He throws it down, and then he walks over to me, and he says, let me see that fishing rod. I'm like, well, no, actually, you know, and it's my brother's, you know, and he's like, no, no, let me see that. So now, I'm, now he's basically taking the fishing rod from me, and he goes, let me see how good this works. Oops, and he throws it into the lake, and I'm now really scared, and I said, you don't understand. It's my brother's. Sal, he's a big guy. <laughs> you know, like, I don't think you understand what you just did. I'm going to be in big trouble, you know. And I'm only 11 years old. These guys must have been 14, 15, you know. Next thing I know, 
One of them is on top of me, and he's just hitting me. I don't even know what happened. I'm not sure what's going on, man. I'm just, I don't know why, but he's just hitting me. And all of a sudden, I, I just, I didn't know what to say or do. I just started crying. Joe, old Joe, remember old Joe from the other side? He starts yelling, hey, guys, get off of him. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Come on. You got something better to do? Come on. Don't do that. And I'm like, yeah, please, you know, do something for me, you know. And, and they still, you know, kind of trying to wrestle me and beat me up. And, and then finally they get up and they go, you got money? I said, I don't have any money. He said, you want your bike back? You got to give me some money. You got to give me a dollar. I'm thinking, that's cheap. I could do a dollar. And then all of a sudden, creativity falls into play. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I said, you know what, sir? I, gotta, I live five minutes from here. Let me take my bike, ride home, and I'll ride back, I promise, with a dollar. And he looks at me and he goes, what do you think, I'm stupid? And I didn't answer him. And he says, we're going to walk with you to the house. You're going to go in and you're, we're going to hold on to your bike. And then when you come back with the dollar, we'll give you your bike. And I said, okay. And I remember walking. He's on the bike and he's doing stuff. I remember walking totally terrified. I was trembling. I was crying. And as soon as I turned the corner and I saw my house, I walked faster. And I said, I'll be right back. And I walked inside the door. And guess what I did? I locked all my doors. <laughs> and I cried. Have you ever been that scared before? Behind locked doors? In your own little panic room? That was me. That was the disciples. The church behind locked doors. Whatever happened to the gates of hell shall not prevail against you? I used to think of that verse as a defense verse, right? That's an offense. That's the gates of hell shall not prevail against you, right? So that means the Christians are on the offense. But now they're what? They're, they're scared. They're, they're hiding behind locked doors. Now don't be so judgmental about them because before we criticize the disciples, I want you to know that I often encounter the same timid spirit with church members. How are we doing? Church leaders. I encounter already convinced, hiding in their pews. I encounter already convinced, afraid of sharing their faith for fear of ridicule. I encounter churchgoers and leaders driven by personal agendas rather than holy purposes. Have you encountered them? We live in unprecedented times. All over the world, we see people covering, cowering behind policies, petrified, and not 
being risk takers, unwilling to admit their lack, unwilling to admit their wisdom, unwilling to say, hey, look, I just don't know. I need help. More worried about keeping the church pure than keeping the church active. Spiritual leaders who consider finances a formidable enemy? I mean, are we still worshiping the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills? Or we just say that? Broken leaders with distorted concept of who God is, creating broken plans. Churchgoers more concerned who gets the credit or worse yet, who gets to be blamed than advancing the kingdom cause. Hiding behind locked doors. Leaders who, rather than choosing to break the barriers of vulnerability by expressing conviction, cower behind the unfortified walls of image preservation or reputation. Do you see them or is it just me? We live in unprecedented times and I want you to know something. God is waiting for a church to emerge behind those locked doors. And what we are saying this weekend is that you are that church. What we are saying this weekend is that you are the ones that God wants to unleash. It is time. It is time to do something amazing for the kingdom of God. Don't you believe so? I'm telling you, man. Listen to what happened next. I love this. It says, Jesus came and stood right in the middle of them. Wait, I, th I thought he was dead. <laughs> Jesus came and stood right in the middle of them. He had resurrected. And he said, peace be with you. I think somebody needs to say, peace be with you to us. Because I think we're living in some pretty anxious, driven moments in our lives. And then he showed them his hands and his side. And when they saw the Lord, the disciples were what? Overjoyed. I love that. So I walk in my house and I make my way downstairs after locking all the doors, and there's my father. He was home for lunch. And there was my brother Sal. He was home for lunch. And they watch me totally trembling, coming down the steps. And they go, what's the matter, Sergio? Calm down, Sergio. Who's got your bicycle? The one I just got you? Yeah, Papa, I'm sorry. And they, they, they threw the south, your thing, I has gone. What are you talking, Who? I said, they're outside. Show us, they said. Oh, yeah. So we walked upstairs. We have this kind of veranda thing in the front with big windows. We walked up to the big windows, and there we saw them. Still there with my bicycle and I was standing by the window and I had my brother Sal right here buff man my dad 
right here. My father and my brother, and I'm in the middle, and I point at them. And it was as if I heard the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. And all of a sudden, all I could hear, I don't know why, all I could hear was, na, 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 hey, 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 good. But you know what I'm talking about, right? They looked at me, they dropped that bike and ran so fast. See, here's what I'm going to tell you right now. That we are hiding behind locked doors, but there's a father and our brother, Jesus, who are sitting there saying, come on, I got you covered. Come on, I got you. I can make it happen. What are you afraid of? What are you scared of? What are you waiting for? I mean, what are we, what are we doing? It is time for us to do something. And then it says, look, I love this. It says, Jesus said to them, again, yes, peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, so I am now going to what? Send you. Do you believe that? God is sending you. You're a world changer. God is sending me. Somehow, 30 years ago, I, I, I took that seriously. And so here I am. <laughs> like it or not. And then it says, and then he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. Receive the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, you like people breathing on you? <laughs> Suddenly, they're infected. Suddenly, they're contagious, communicable, kingdom carriers. And that little breath from Jesus turns into this amazing wind just a few weeks later. And they are on fire for Jesus Christ. It is unbelievable what happens in the next few months and years as they take seriously this, this command to be sent and do what they were And by the way, you know, yes, we read about Paul and we read about Peter and we read about James and we read about all these great leaders, but there were a lot of apostles and disciples, the priesthood of believers, all working together. This wasn't just the pastors and the conference leaders. This was everybody working together, and it is time that we do the same thing. And that's what this weekend is all about. We live in unprecedented times. And this weekend is an invitation to step out from behind locked doors, stepping out from default mode onto the stage of adventure. That's what I realized. Stepping out from survival mode to thrive mode. An invitation to no longer live on autopilot, to not allow Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime to rule our day but to allow God to penetrate and infect us. We just finished the whole series at this church. It took us months called Contagious. 
Why? Because that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be contagious for his kingdom. And it's about time. It's about time. Don't you think so? I know the pastors are in here. I know that we all think about and pray about and talk about how awesome it is. What can we do more to get our people off the pews and out doing stuff? And many of you are doing it, and I just praise God for that. We want to keep that going. And we want to be able to infect others. Sneeze on people. Breathe on people. Do what you got to do. Get them all infected and contagious for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? I don't know, man. That's what I am. I'm just, maybe I'm just, I don't know. You may not realize it, but you matter more than you think you do. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Your presence in that building, on that campus, on your team, your presence in your workplace, in that meeting, your presence on that golf course, your presence on Facebook, in that hospital, in that family, in that conference office, in your neighborhood, in your country, your presence matters because you are the light of the world. Some people need to just kind of say, hey, man, thank you so much for being salt in my life. Not become. Jesus didn't say, you are becoming the light of the world. Jesus didn't say, you are like the light of the world. What did he say? You are the light of the world. Repeat after me. I am the light of the world. Okay, men too now. Come on, let's do it, right? I am the light of the world. Do you believe that? I mean, I'm, I'm serious. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants to shine through you? You know, he uses words like you don't put it under a bushel. To us, it would be like, what good is a light if you keep the light switched off? Turn the switch on. That's what this weekend is about. How do we turn that switch on? I mean, it's not like you're going to learn some amazing new stuff this weekend. You will learn some new stuff. But most of it, this is a, a way for us to say, hey, look, we're in it together. We want to inspire each other. We're going to work together towards this. We mean business. That's what this weekend is about. Have you ever asked, why am I here? Well, now you know. You're here because through you, the world's going to know what God is up to. I want to finish with this little parable that I came across many, many years ago, and I keep it all the time for such an occasion as this. The pencil maker took the pencil aside just before putting him into the box. He said, there are five things you need to know before I send you out into the world. Always remember them and never forget, and you will become the best pencil you can be. Five things. One, you will be able to do many great things, but only if you allow yourself to be held in someone's hand. Amen? Number two, you will experience a painful sharpening from time to time, but you'll need it to become a better pencil. Those of us who've experienced that know exactly what he's talking about. Number three, you will be able to correct any mistakes that you might make. 
So don't be afraid to fail. We have a, a little slogan in this church, fail often, succeed sooner. Learn from those failures. Move forward. Fail often, succeed sooner. Number four, the most important part of you will always be what's on the inside. The world looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. And finally, number five, on every surface you are used, you must leave your mark. No matter what the conditions, you must continue to write. Are you willing to leave your mark today? Would you stand with me if you want to leave your mark with me today? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for this group that is here. Lord, thank you for these leaders who uh, love the kingdom and, and, and want to inspire each and every one of us. I pray, Father, that as we go through this weekend, it would be obvious to us that your Holy Spirit was here with us. We are so absolutely humbled to host this moment together, Lord. As Pastor Terrence said, Lord, we don't want to do this alone. We want to sing and praise and work together. Help us to do so. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we leave here this evening, 